Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord in heaven, we thank you for uh, your word, your, your Bible, the scriptures. We thank you that you speak to us through it, um, that you encourage us, that you correct us, that you train us, that you teach us through it. Lord, help, me, help us all to see what you have to say through these words in Psalm 120. In Jesus' name, amen. So, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you don't want to be? Um, I can think of lots of them. Maybe the kids, maybe when you were young, you got lost in a supermarket. That's a, uh, not a nice feeling, isn't it? Mum and Dad, you don't know where they are. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you don't want to be? Maybe you found yourself in a work meeting that you've been putting off and off and off, forgetting to conveniently uh, reply to the email and you're delaying, but because you don't know, you know the meeting won't go well. In the TV show Lost in Space, which I recently finished, the crew on the spaceship are journeying towards a new home uh, on the planet Alpha Centauri. And when every, everything goes wrong, um, you guessed it, they get lost in space. They are far from when they, where they have come from, from Earth, and they're far away from where they're going to their new home. It's not all smooth sailing along the way. There's danger all around from bad robots and evil characters. And you know the famous line from the, from the TV show Lost in Space, there's danger, Will Robinson. Uh, sometimes for us as Christians, life can be a lot like that. We are lost, can we feel like we're lost in space. We can be found in places and conversations in situations where we just don't want to be. We can find ourselves in times where there's pressure bearing down on us from other people. This psalm, Psalm 120, speaks of the difficulty of being a believer in Jesus, of being a Christian in a world which is against Jesus and his people. And if you're a Christian here today, then uh, there are times for you to a greater or lesser degree, there are certain times in life when you'll be under pressure for being a Christian uh, because as Christians, we're not home yet. That's what the Psalm's getting at. We're not home. We're not at our eternal home with Christ. And so there's a longing in each of us as believers that we can sometimes feel. And you see, that's what's going on in the Psalm. The writer of this Psalm finds himself far from home Far from safety, he's in the midst of opposition and danger because he's a believer in, in God. And so for us, life in this world is something like this for the Christian as well and for the church. We can feel weary. We're not home yet and we find ourselves in situations where we just don't want to be under pressure for being a believer. And so while we journey, while we're on this journey of life, these are journey psalms as we travel the good news is that the lord is near to us he answers and he acts for us and so we got a few points from this psalm that i want to make and as we think about what it means to be far from home so point one what it's like away from home what it's like point two the lord's answer point three longing for home so point one uh, we're starting in a sermon series over the next, I think, four Sundays um, in the Psalms. And this is particular, this collection of Psalms is a Songs of Ascent. And you can see that in the title of the Psalm there, a Song of Ascent. 
Uh, most likely these, these songs were sung as the Jewish people, God's people, were journeying towards Jerusalem, their capital city, but also the place where they'd worship God at their temple. They'd make sacrifice there at Jerusalem. Um, and like when you'd put on some tunes in the car for the long road, the long journey, uh, these are songs that the Israelites would sing towards the temple as they travelled along the road. Kind of a spiritual pilgrimage, if you like. They're songs to prepare the heart for worshipping the Lord. And as you go through each of these 15 songs of ascent, you kind of get closer to where you're going. And this one is the first one. We're far from home. We're way away from the temple here. That's where this psalm begins. I have some friends who recently moved to Vanuatu um, just a couple of months ago. And they put up a video on Facebook this week. And they're talking about the difference between Australian culture and Vanuatu. Nevan, I, can't, I don't know the name for the Vanuatu culture, uh, but it's, it's, there's differences in food, in, in the church, uh, they're learning a new language, and they're also there's a sense of sadness because they can't get back to um, a family funeral, and they mourn differently in that culture than they mourn here. Being away from home can be difficult the psalm writer is in a foreign place. The psalm writer is away from God's people. Verse 5, let me read that out. Verse 5, little number 5, it says, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Now, these places, they're actually real places, geographical locations, but they're not close to each other. He couldn't actually have lived in Meshech and Kedar. They're on opposite ends of the map, if you like. It's a poetic way of saying, I'm a long way away. I'm far away. And so for the psalm writer, this is not a nice experience, as you see here. Woe is me, he says. Woe, verse 5. He's dwelling among people who don't like him, nor the God he serves. He's going through a trial, not a physical trial in this instance, but he's verbally being attacked. There are people attacking him with his word, with words. Verse 2, it says, Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. Lips which lie to you and lips which lie about you. You see, he's being slandered and he's being lied to. The world's full of lies, isn't it? Shifting blame and you know, taking credit for things that aren't your credit uh, you know, due to you. Um, falsehoods are spread. False motives are attributed. That's the world where we live in. Now, recently, there's been media organisations which have been proven to be lying on TV. Um, what a shock. I've heard of people you know, faking their background, their careers, Awards and making up and just making it up so they can get ahead in their career. Um, you see it all around us from the politicians to the family home, in relationships, in friendships, lying. Truth seems to be a rare thing sometimes. And that's the context of this psalm. The author of the psalm is going through a period of character assassination and accusation. Lying causes damage, doesn't it? Um, Proverbs. 
chapter 12, verse 6 says, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Proverbs 11, verse 9 says, With their mouths the godless destroy their neighbours, but through knowledge the righteous escape. Proverbs 16, verse 28, A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Slander and its cousin gossip, you know, it fractures relationships. And it's a serious sin in the eyes of the Lord. What does God say in the Ten Commandments? Don't bear false testimony. The heart of God is for truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. And on the other hand, the devil, the sa- Satan, Jesus tells, is the father of lies. Lying isn't of God. God is for truth. Lying's from the evil one. You know, a deceitful heart, a deceitful tongue is a symptom of a heart which doesn't want to listen to the truth of God's word. And it shouldn't be surprising for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, when we find ourselves in situations uh, when we're being slandered. We, in these situations, we don't want to be in. Now, the great Antarctic explorer, this is my, my favourite explorer, Ernest Shackleton, at the beginning of the 20th century, apparently it said he put an ad in the newspaper to recruit a crew for his expedition. The ad said, men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful, I love that. Honour and recognition in the event of success. Apparently, it said 5,000 men applied for that job after seeing the ad. You see, the ad is completely honest, utterly honest. The people applying for that spot on the crew knew what they were getting into. Shackleton was completely honest there. They were in for danger. Shackleton said they were in for danger, and that's exactly what they got. They got danger. And in a similar way for us as Christians, this psalm gives us the honest warning. The gospel of Jesus clearly says if we follow Jesus, then we will be treated like Jesus was treated. Does that sit well with you? Our saviour Jesus was slandered despite being the most pure in heart. The one with a life of integrity Nothing could stick on Jesus. He was perfect. A heart of honesty and truthfulness. And yet Jesus was led to the cross. Why? Because he went through a mock trial with false reports and bad witnesses. He was sentenced through made-up evidence. He went through all this for us. You see, we who were like that... And so, as Christians, we graciously saved by Jesus, graciously being transformed by the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't be surprised as if we're treated like Jesus was treated. Because as Christians, we're citizens of another kingdom, of the, the heavenly kingdom. And yet that old kingdom, the kingdom of the enemy, wants nothing more than to hurt and bite. Lying is the weapon of choice of the father of lies. You see? We're not to be surprised when heat comes on the journey along the road, uh, whether it's against the church in a, in a broad sense or whether it's personal against you as a Christian, whether it's someone telling a lie about you, and your, about you to your friends at school, saying things that aren't true, making things up, 
Maybe it's gossip among your peers that damages your chance of getting a, a job offer. Maybe it's a rumour about something you did that you, or didn't do, a rumour that makes you look, to, look out look like the bad guy. Maybe it's a nasty messages sent behind your back. This is what it can be like on the journey while we're away from home. Now as a second point. We see the Lord cares deeply about the way his people are treated. God is pro-truth. He's pro-truth. He's for verbal justice. It's painful to be slandered. It harms and damages us. So what does the psalm writer do in this situation? He doesn't devise a way to get back at the attackers around him. He's not vengeful. His first impulse and our first impulse should be to, is to, should be to call on the Lord. Depending on God in prayer, to call on the Lord. Verse 1, little number 1, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. The Lord answers the psalm writer. In Hebrew, the original language, verse 1, puts the emphasis better here. It begins by saying, to the Lord. That's the first uh, couple of words in the Hebrew. It emphasises the direction of his call, the, to the Lord, rather than to the distress. For, for when we face times of distress, if we focus on the distress, we find that it fills your vision. It's like when you walk down the street with your phone open and you have to sort of look up and dodge around people and, and traffic light poles. It's really hard to not run into things when you're looking at something else. When our distress fills our vision, when we are looking at that, it's hard to see anything else. But if we focus on the Lord, if we go to the Lord as the psalmist does here, then we go to the one place, the one person, who can do something about the distress? When we enter into times of worry and distress, we need to remember it's not beyond the sovereign and loving Lord. He is the one, the only one, strong enough and powerful enough and loving enough to bear the weight of the trouble. And the sooner we realise that, the better. We can depend on him in distress. So, see there, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. God's going to do something about it. There's deliverance for the psalm writer. And this is so helpful for us, I think. Prayer, when we pray to the Lord, when we go to the Lord, is powerful. I don't, and prayer is powerful. I don't mean that in kind of a trite way. God works through the prayers of his people. That's why we pray. When we pray here as a church, when you pray by yourself, this is not a meaningless thing you're doing. You know, many people don't realise this. Prayer for people isn't, and for your needs isn't just like sending good vibes to someone. It's not like positivity. That's not what prayer is. It's going to the Lord. You see the emphasis to the Lord. It's calling on God to act. The focus is on God, not even particularly, first and foremost, the situation you're in. It's going to the Lord and knowing that he is just. Prayer is powerful because in prayer we're praying to this God who can do something about it. That's why the psalm writer goes to the Lord 
in his distress. The Lord answers the prayer, verse 3 and 4. He answers the prayer. Let me read that out. What will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows with burning coals of the broom bush. Uh, what's going on here? Well, the scriptures, the Bible talks about the tongue. You know, the tongue is like flying arrows and like fire. There are many references across the Bible to the tongue like arrows and like fire. The lying arrows. Uh, the arrows of lying lips and deceit, they pierce within us, don't they? Words hurt. Fire burns. And so the psalmist is thinking on God's sovereign judgment here. And he realises that God will bring upon those people what they are doing to him. God's arrows are sharper. God's fire is hotter than his enemies. Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 10, nothing is covered that will not be revealed. God's judgment reveals. God will bring about his justice. He knows what his people are going through, no matter when and where the church is, where you are, or what you've gone through. He's utterly fair and just in his judgment. And so as a final point, um, those situations that the psalm writer has found himself in and the situations that we find ourselves in create in us a longing. And this comes out in the last few verses. The weary traveller is feeling homesick and it's something that Christian experiences at times. Christians, we have a home to look forward to, a hope. We have a hope of being with Jesus in a new world and... It's good and right to long for home, like the psalm does. Verse 5, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. We long for justice in a world of injustice. We long for peace in a world of war. Come, Lord Jesus, is the prayer of Revelation and our prayer as well. Come, Lord Jesus. The psalm writer is for peace in his context, in his situation. He wants the blessing of others. He wants to care for others. He wants their well-being. And yet that's not what they want. They want war. And that's the experience so often of the Christian life. We are in the language of the New Testament. Our sojourners, we're exiles dwelling in a land on our own. Yet, as followers of Jesus, we live for him. We live for peace. We live for the peace of the city, as the prophet Jeremiah says. We are to be for the well-being, the good of other people. Jesus teaches us to have an outlook, a, a character, a heart that looks to the interests of the other. That's what Jesus creates in us. But here's the thing. This is the thing the psalmist realised and what we need to realise. The thing is, even if we're like that, even if we're doing the best thing for, the, for other people, if we're for peace, it doesn't mean that they'll be for peace, does it? The psalm writer is saying, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm for peace, I'm for peace. But they are for war. It's being for peace which actually antagonises it's being for peace, which makes them more irritated. 
He speaks words of truth here, of kindness, and they speak words of war. You see, this is what the human heart is naturally like. We're all like that. Naturally speaking, in and of ourselves, we are at war with God. That's what we're like by nature. And it's only a miracle, the gift of the new birth, the gift of God's grace changing us, making us alive in Jesus, that we can go from from his enemies, making war against God, raging against God to his friends. That's the gift of grace. That's the gospel. It's all of God's grace and kindness. And so as Christians, even if we have noble intentions, even if we strive to live in a peaceable way, we need to know that even if we do that, we might not be taken well by others. If we speak with truth and with kindness and love towards others, you might get it thrown back in your face. Because that's what happened to Jesus, right? The most perfect human being who walked the earth was slandered. And so his followers, in what likewise will be on our journey as pilgrims, as we travel towards our heavenly home. And it can be, bring about a weariness, can't it? Are you weary sometimes? You can feel the psalm writer just sighing out these words, sighing out this wor- these words, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Too long he, his soul is aching. He longs for the security of where he's going towards Jerusalem to worship God, to meet with God and his people. Do you feel the weariness? Maybe you've been burnt too many times. Maybe you've copped a few too many arrows of the tongue. And there is a temptation here for us as believers, we who dwell metaphorically in the tents of Kedar. The temptation comes to us in a couple of ways. We can be tempted to just give up and go along with the world around us, to go along to get along, as someone says. Going along just to get along. Keep your head down. Well, the other temptation is to fight back, to, be, to put up the battlements and become negative and antagonistic back. An eye for an eye, so to speak. Go in for a fight. These are the temptations that come our way. But instead, the way the Lord leads us to be, is to be, as Jesus said, salt and light in the world, to live his way, to be a preserving influence in the world, shining the light of Jesus And even while we dwell in the tents of Meshach and Kedar, even when they're for war, we are still to be for peace. Despite what others do, the the Christian response is to continue to be for the well-being of our neighbours, even if we sigh and long for home, knowing that God is God and he will judge. We are to continue to serve Jesus with our hearts, our strength, our minds, where to continue to glorify God and enjoy him forever in our speech, with our words, where to speak truth, we speak words of peace, even when they speak words of war, for this is what the Lord wants. Uh, in the reading we had from before, from Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, blessed 
uh, you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In a similar way, in the book of Acts, the apostle Peter and others, are, they're dragged in front of the Sanhedrin, the, the elders of uh, the Jews, and they're flogged and they're slandered, and yet Peter rejoices. He's not outraged. He doesn't start a petition online. No, he rejoices that he's counted worthy for the name of suffering for the name of Jesus. That's the difference Jesus makes to us, friends. It changes our view, our outlook in the world, Christ in our focus, in our vision. Blessing, even in the trial, even while we wait for home. Now, we might be like something like the characters in Lost in Space, a little bit uh, nowhere, far from home. Uh, we find ourselves in situations we just don't want to be in, uh, times, places. But find the encouragement in this psalm today as we start the journey through a few of these songs of ascents. Friends, drink deeply of the living waters of God's word. Be refreshed along your journey. Focus on Christ. Depend on God. For even while we're not home yet, the destination is sure. The destination is true. The Lord Jesus will lead you home. May God bless his word to us today.